podcast where we talk about deviant women from history, mythology, literature and contemporaneity. I'm Alicia and I'm Lauren. And this is a very special episode because it's a special summer exclusive. It is because you our listeners will know that Deviant Women Series 2 is not starting again officially until March. March, March the 22nd is our official relaunch for Put that in your calendars you season 2. Can. But we're coming up to festival time here in Adelaide. Yep. And we've had the opportunity to interview a very special deviant woman. Well, you know, whether or not she likes being called a deviant woman. (laughs) (laughs) But her work certainly engages with some of the themes that are very important to us on this podcast. So we were thrilled to have the opportunity to sit down with Patricia Cornelius, who is an award-winning playwright from Australia. So we had an absolutely fabulous time talking to Patricia. She was so wonderful and generous with her time and a really, really fascinating woman to speak to. We will let you know that this interview took place in a couple of different places. That's right. The first place was a little bit of a public space, so please excuse any background noise that you can hear. And the interview does get a little bit quieter (laughs) towards the end, so, you know, it all clears up as we go along. these, These are the ways when we have to come to our guests We've got to take our little travel go mic with us and uh, do the best we can. So yeah, thanks. we know we know you will forgive us. So <laughs> enjoy the interview, please enjoy. It's gearing up to festival time here in Adelaide, of course, and so we've been given the very special opportunity to interview a contemporary deviant woman, but we're using that term loosely. Um, so we've jumped on the chance, and we're very pleased to bring our very special guest today, uh, a very contemporary. Deviant, again, in, inverted commas, woman, uh, playwright extraordinaire, Patricia Cornelius. Hi. Happy <laughs> to be here. So for those who don't know, Patricia is the author of over 25 plays and is one of Australia's most awarded playwrights. And you've just won the Sydney Theatre Award for Best New Work, so yeah, congratulations. congratulations. <laughs> My play called Shit. Yes. <laughs> it's such a pleasure when I, I wasn't there, but you kind of know that, yeah, they have to go and the award goes <laughs> to Patricia Cornelius's Shit. <laughs> Winner is shit. Slightly infantile response, but never mind. No, that's great. And you've also just been commissioned by the State Theatre Company of South Australia to write a play for the Adelaide Festival of Arts in the club. Mm -hmm. Now, this play doesn't shy away from some confronting themes. So, um, Patricia, can you just begin by giving us a brief synopsis or outlining the play for us in the club? It was actually commissioned by Geordie Bookman, who's the director, the director of the, director, the State yeah. Theatre, and who was absolutely intent on finding yeah. a, 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 a being part of creating a work that uh, said something about football and like culture mm. and the continued uh, discontent that most of us feel in relationship to the, the the things that come out in the press that never get addressed or uh, n- uh, never get policed in a way that you'd expect anybody else would be. So it's an interesting thing to kind of take on because, in a way, I kind of went, I thought, oh, they're kind of delighted with mm. it. But at the same time, 
I, I thought, how am I going to approach a play like this without writing absolutely what you'd expect? Mm. And how, how am I going to, what, what am I going to say that would surprise you in any way? And theatre, I think, has to come at you from behind. It has to kind of sneak up on mm. you. And a, a great deal of seduction is in the making of a really good play. Because also, I, I could write a play that you just want to walk out on in five minutes because it's going to inundate you with miserable accounts of our abuse and there's a point where we can't handle that anymore and we also know the terrain so you sort of feel like I I felt like I had to find a way in that that kind of spoke of it bigger than football bigger than any kind of microcosm of men and behaving badly but looking at a society that absolutely encourages bad behavior so I go for the three women. I've got three narratives with three women who go out onto the club, in the club, yeah. and they're out for a good time. They're going to let their hair down. They're going to behave sometimes really out there and in a deviant way mm-hmm. or not deviant at all, yeah. but you know, mm-hmm. sexually avert who are, her out for a fuck potentially yeah. and in a way that sometimes men express that and we're still forbidden to in yes. a way. And you know, this is exactly so. what we mean by that term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yeah, yeah. kind of are you know those gorgeous girls? I don't know. You might have been a couple of them, but the girls I remember at school who were so confident, and they didn't mean they didn't get done in, but they were kind of really terribly confident about their sexual power. Mm. And I I loved them. I didn't. I was frightened of them. I didn't want to (laughs) go near them really. But they were so kind of spunky and (laughs) naughty and. Got something so attractive about that, and, it, and it's still forbidden. It's still the, the slut factor is yeah. kind of unbelievably alive and well. Mm. Well, that actually, I guess that kind of, I mean, the the actual, I suppose, the main theme of the work was commissioned by, like you were, you know, that like he said, Geordie yeah. said, oh, we want to work that addresses this um, AFL culture. Yeah. Was there anything though when he presented that story to you, particularly perhaps any of you know? Events in the news or things that have been happening oh, yeah. in contemporary society yeah. that you latched onto and used yeah. as inspiration. I, I think the book that he just read and I'd read it was the Anna Crean's book and Night Games, and, yeah. and also that I, you know, I read, read Clementine Ford and I read Jessica. I can't think of Jessica's name is why, why I'm not a feminist. Oh, Jessica Crispin. Crispin, mm. and just to kind of re. It, revisit some of the material and I, I mean I love Susan Faludi and her, the, the, the kind of investigation into what's female and what's male mm. all that stuff is great to revisit again sort of sad that I have to revisit I'm old enough to think yeah. oh my fucking god why, why are we doing this again, <laughs> here again? Yeah. well that actually but, really I think part of that is where so it seems so very relevant and contemporary in this sort of post Weinstein era yeah, that we're yeah. in right now but you know has your work really been engaging with these because you've been writing for 25 years is that mm, right so, yeah like, <laughs> more like yeah more than that I suppose probably you know the successful yeah. part's probably the 25 years yeah. so has your work I continued that, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay go on yeah <laughs> well it's just really are these themes do you think that have their particular moments within social changes and particular feminist zeitgeists or is it something that has it feels like it is just pulling up the are we still dealing with this you I know? think we're still dealing yeah. with it like a, it's a resurgence and I think that 
we've been off the agenda for years, theatrically, literature, across the board, off the agenda in terms of feminism. We've been there, done that, mm. what the hell are you keep whinging about? Yeah. Things have shifted, ha-ha. You know, I, I get a few facts, Get a look, have a look at the kind of quotas or the quotas that aren't being met, and then you sort of go, actually, this is ludicrous. I think something happened in the theatre world quite a number of years ago through a woman named Jane Howard who, who um, works here and was a critic and happened almost accidentally, it seemed, to do the um, stats on the number of female playwrights in Australia that were being programmed. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I knew that the inequity was huge, but I didn't realise until I saw those stats how huge. Yeah. And I kind of felt punched in the yeah, I sort of felt like the 80s were kind of we were allowed and um, there was a kind of that whole plethora of theatre of us telling yeah. famous famous um, female stories, which is sort of great, but got, kind of got tired as well and didn't expand well enough. And so then back to the old telling male stories mm. and us as the female actors supporting that story being told. But when that that was a really huge James report. It was like, oh my god, and that I'm going to take action. And I felt like, I think what you suffer from, in, in, no matter what job you're in, is that you think, I will just do as best as I can. I will keep writing, and the next one will be even better. I will get so great at my craft that the recognition for myself as a playwright and my my place within that culture will just have to be. It happen, yeah. But actually, it's a big lie. Yeah. So just stay, stay in the same place, and unless you kind of push forward and to make demands. I mean, this this is just timely. I think the yeah. the Weinstein stuff and the stuff that's current here, mm-hmm. but it feels lively. And, yeah. and um, whether they talk about us being lawless or not, I kind of I'm so excited by it. But I just hope that we don't get crushed. Mm. So, cause I, so I think we'll come back to talking a bit more about in the club itself, maybe in a bit. But I just kind of want to pick up on that and sort of, I mean, this idea that you yourself you're a highly awarded playwright you know you've you've won a gold australian writers guild award a green room award a jill blewett award the patrick white playwrights award i mean among other things so you've had huge critical success you know this is critical success and especially in australia these australian female playwrights i mean someone who comes to mind for me is dorothy hewitt as an example you know hugely critically successful yet we don't see that work on the mainstream theater company stages i Mm. mean why is it? What's still stopping, you know, people who have actually proved their art, proved their worth mm-hmm. as artists, what's still stopping those women, what's still stopping that work from being produced by these mainstream yeah. companies? It feels, feels kind of heartbreaking. I don't, I don't feel that my heart was broken. A, a couple of plays I wrote that I felt like, oh, my God, this is kind of mainstream fair. There is a, there's a real kind of response to it that is very broad it's for a lot of older actors so you're using a beautiful stable of actors who are honed and gorgeous to watch and not just doing little piddly mm. parts where they're a bit comical and then they're off and, mm. and wheeled off or whatever but you, you ask something of them so I felt like that play which was called Do Not Go Gentle really oh, I thought oh, that that is real mainstream fair and I don't think about mainstream fair. So it's a bit of a double take in, a, in the sense that you know, 
most of the time people think, why are you, why is Patricia not being picked up by the mainstream? Well, I have a great respect for the mainstream for most of my career. I have not, that's not been my mecca. Mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. felt that, oh, I want to get into those huge theatres with that kind of infrastructure and those huge sets and crap. I, I, I just was more interested in making work that sang to me. And I knew I use a vernacular, I use a poetic realism that's sort of poetic devices that are grungy and dirty mm. and vulgar and fucking funny <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and alliteration and clearly. And I, so it, what, it's not necessarily mainstream fair. But at the same time, come on, yeah. open up your doors, your smaller theatres, and invite new Australian works because you've got an ageing population in those theatres and you need to rejuvenate. Yeah. So I sort of feel like, no, bugger you. you, you're so slow with this. And I think it's absolutely sexist. I think it's political that I write about class, I write about gender, and, I, and those things are not um, considered high art. Mm. I use a vernacular that's vulgar and yeah. offends people. And so, you, you know, the biggest example was when I had shit on at Neon, which was sort of the, the very badly paid, you get a bit of money to go on in our theatre, and that was okay, we went for it and did shit or paid, made shit, <laughs> not that sort of shit. Made <laughs> <laughs> good shit. Yeah, yeah. good shit. <laughs> yeah. and, um, but people would laugh because then the telephones would come in and they'd go, I please have two tickets to S H I T, and you sort of there's something really yeah. ridiculous yeah. about it. Oh, for God's sake, if you cannot say shit, do not come to this way because it's a warning, an inbuilt warning. If you can't handle mm-hmm. this, this was a world of cunts and fucks and yeah. all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff. So, this is silly to mm. start that because so. that, that's the other thing. Do you think that these main theatre companies they're aware of that vernacular like for example are they just turned off by producing a play named shit or slut yeah because another one of your places as well and I mean you can imagine that theatre companies don't want to you know put on a big poster that's just slut you know like that is confronting yeah Yeah. and do you think that they're trying to save their audiences because they they feel like their audiences will be confronted by that or do you think that they're behind perhaps with what audiences may want or perhaps excluding an audience who may yeah. want this stuff yeah. in their mainstream theatres but yeah. are getting and are getting maybe a little bit sick of seeing Shakespeare and, you yeah. know, Beckett and... And the, and the and latest <laughs> fair from from Broadway or from... That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I, I think that there's a true that... They, that the, there is a kind of ageing audience there that are quite conservative and, and very nervous about um, stuff that's reflected back to them about a, a country, their own country, and they only want to see the white, a white one. They want to see a middle class milieu. They don't, be, they believe it's a classless society, and and they, um, and so and that, that whole notion of being entertained rather than engaged. I'm not interested in entertaining anybody. I never have. I, I, I want you to stay. Yeah. I want you to listen. So I'll do a big seduction job on you if I can and so that I can get the material, use humour, use whatever kind of musicality to kind of keep you there. But at the same time, I'm not interested in you going out and then just having a drink and not talking about it. I would like to engage you, to threaten you a little bit. I love to have you rattled a bit go along to something and you think, oh my God, that's mm. rattling how I thought about the world. And even if I readjust later and kind of go back to, to where I'm more comfortable, the rattling is not a bad thing. And the yeah. about testing out what you're actually believing, how 
we do it with film all the time. We yeah. love it. We mm. go, oh my God, it's a film that asks something of us. And that theatre is always that. That's what theatre is, drama. And the drama is not just about two people out there having a fight. The drama is about what you believe and what they're, they're, they're purporting. And that you can be at odds with it and you feel uneasy about it. Think like something like shit. There's three underclass young women who are foul-mouthed or dangerous. I love them. I love them because they take the stage and the power of their language and the power of their taking the space usually belongs to men. And we kind of tolerate that, the naughty boy. We've got a whole tradition of that. But at the same time, I'm sure there's mainstream audiences, numbers in the audience that love the titillation um, <laughs> that occurs, you know, when you see something that rocks you a bit, yeah. and they're, quite, they're smart enough. So it's an underestimating of them. But how do you build new audiences mm. if you don't yep. kind of get... Just use your smaller space and take some of the money from the infrastructure of all the sets or whatever and then invest it mm. in a quite cheap yep. but really... Supported space that's about homegrown work. Yeah, because what do you think, as a theatre going audience, Australians are missing out on by not having these works that are written by women or written by women or or, or anyone of of, of a, a different classes or different races? Like, what does the audience miss? Yeah. You know, if it's that's just a huge. I mean, it, it's so bizarre, isn't it? It's a big question. You go out, <laughs> yeah, you go out of the theatre, and it's so white. The milieu is white and middle class, comfortable and concerned with some things that are, you know, sometimes terrific and interesting. I'm not damning all the theatre that's out no, there, yeah. but but you, but then you go out into the and you catch a tram in Melbourne, or and this is not. The world. Mm. That's this is who we are, and the diversity is enormous, and it always has been. It's not like it's just shifted lately. Mm. And so you you just think, what what's going on is a protection of a kind of a notion of ourselves as this kind of respectable and uh, highly cultured, well spoken, uh, intellectual world that actually is a lie mm-hmm. and totally a lie about who we are. We're backward, we're nasty, we're fucking mean-minded, we're bigoted, <laughs> we have the biggest genocide on our hands like nothing elsewhere in the world and we pretend and we keep people dying on an island somewhere that mm-hmm. just need to have some sustenance. Yeah. And so you sort of think, well, uh, why aren't we dealing with who we are? Why can't we cope? Well, we get so angry that people can bear and criticise in Australia. It's sort of like, well, why not? Yeah. We, we stink. We stink. The whole world thinks we stink. Yeah. You know, it's no, no kind of yeah. little it's no secret. secret. Yeah, it's yeah. no secret. No secret. Yeah. Yeah. What you're just saying and also just um, talking about that sort of showing back to an audience perhaps what they might not want to see I've got this great description of Shit, yeah. which was the play that did just win the Sydney Theatre Company Best New Work. Yeah. Just um, um, had a great season in, um, or has having one in Vancouver. Oh, in a really? really small theatre. Oh. Yeah, it's so sweet. He's, uh, so they're taken, you know, they're using the Canadian vernacular, and, yep. but have taken it on in an area that is really, they say, littered with shit like women or women who are obviously never going to go to that theatre, but sort of, um, it, yeah, anyway. Yeah, because yeah. I, I wanted 
to read out this description of, of shit that I found because I think that this really taps into that idea of, you know, what we think about, and of course, you know, your plays are about class as, as much as they are about gender, but thinking about gender, I think, specifically with shit, about that sort of idea of femininity that we have or that we might make up for ourselves as an audience in the same way that we make up this identity of who we are as Australians, who are we, we are as white Australians, all of this sort of stuff. These ideas about, you know, what femininity stands for. And then shit turns all of that on its head. And this description I just wanted to share because I love it. And so this is a description of the play and it's, what of the women and girls who defy gender demarcations, who transgress the boundaries and restraints of social order and expectation? When a girl spits or swears or screams or shouts, pulls down her pants to moon someone from a car, or she laughs too loudly, or she's too shrill, or she puts up her t-shirt, flashes her tits, or she fights, really fights, headbutts and with her fists, or she fucks too much, or cuts her hair too short, or wears too much lipstick, or none at all, or tells everyone she's got a dick and she's not a girl at all, all we want to do with this girl is lock her up and throw away the key. Out of control girls, angry, nasty girls are a sight to behold. They're terrifying, electrifying. They're everything girls shouldn't be and we hate them. I love that. But what I also love about that is that this ties into what you just said. You know, this ends with and we hate them. But as you just said, you love them. Yeah. We love them. And Mind you, in reality, my mic tram is quite inhabited by a few of those girls and believe me I don't have eye contact and I my book goes up and <laughs> I feel I they're powerful they're yeah. and they're frightening and there's no way that I'm gonna engage and even to say love you <laughs> you keep at it yeah, you, you keep doing that you terrific stuff yeah. I mean, and there's a kind of romanticism in, in in some ways but it captures the stuff that where we get so caught into what we meant to be like yes you kind of think oh god that they break boundaries it's, it's very attractive really pretty lovely i wonder how much of that characterization as well coming back to, to talking about in the club how much of that sort of deviant femininity plays into the into the women in in the club i think a lot of the stuff that I came, that I was really interested in pursuing, is sort of the, the biggest taboo of all, of all for us, and that's still the notion of desire for women. Yes, yep. it's just paramount. It's sort of, I think when I remember in the seventies, and when I felt that, that that women's liberation was actually also about liberating the body and about finding out about one's desire, being able to express desire, to be able to have orgasms, multiple ones, or G-spots, all the kind of stuff that was about investigating our, our body and our sexual response to things got really uh, sublimated into a kind of victim mentality yep. and then the, the, all of that sort of starts to get not talked about anymore and, and that the, actually what is what we set upon uh, us rather than what we might seek. I think mm. the whole thing of girls and uh, expressing desire is terrifying both to men and to society and to other women. We, we find it uneasy. We feel uncomfortable with it because we feel we just scratch away from she's asked, asking for it. Yes. She's yeah. at fault. 
she's doing something that is too out there. Mind you, they're doing it. They're strutting yeah. their stuff. They're, they're kind of grabbing their cocks. They're kind of suggesting all the time and rubbing, get, you know, all the stuff that is that is permissible. You might not like it, but it's not kind of part of it is that they think it's a kind of flirtation and it mm. kind of is mm. but if we do it oh my god yeah. the backlash is unbelievable and the danger that the women who express it too fiercely is felt by all and and the, that they're going to get their uh, come, come up and see yeah. that stuff is really terrific I think mm. it's beyond the football world it's beyond yeah. it's everywhere yeah. it's, it's just about how come Come yeah. where we're meant to be kind of the the, the receivers of or the givers yeah. of, of pleasure, mm. not the receivers of the givers yeah. of pleasure. The kind of are not allowed to express the, our desire too much because it's not seemly. Mm. Yeah. We don't even kind yeah. of feel comfortable with such. It's yeah. like it's wrong. There's all yeah. Sorry, just on a bit of a tangent, but I was just reading. There's studies that are being done at the moment that are looking at how young women see their own desire and sexuality and when they've interviewed you know school-aged girls about oral sex for example they'll quite happily say oh yeah I've you know given a job done that um, but then when it's like and does your boyfriend do the same they're all kind of oh no that's gross that's gross and that makes me feel sickeningly sad yeah. that that's the attitude that these teenage girls yeah, have yeah. and that I like I wonder mm-hmm. how long it's going to take for them to learn that it's actually nothing to do with our pleasure in, in giving head jobs only head yes. jobs, you know, yeah. it's got yeah. nothing to do we are not yeah. getting off got no, nerves. <laughs> no nerves in my mouth no. giving me pleasure there. Yeah. Right. Uh, going, going back to that idea of desire and in the club and talking about as you were sort of that notion of like getting very close to the she's asking for it how much of that sort of I suppose uh, dynamic if that seems like a strange word to use for it but how much of that sort of plays into in the club itself in all the research that I was doing, there were kind of some women that were in the media for a while. Like in Melbourne, there was the St Kilda girl mm. um, who met met the footballers at school and then has this relationship of sorts with them and, and the media just ate her up mm-hmm. and made her mad, made her look mad, made her, uh, you know, she's a liar, she was... Uh, over the top or there was something the way they just killed her off for mm. us no sympathy no she was asking for it that yeah. one you know, she's a troublemaker trying to destroy these young men's lives mm. and their careers um, yeah. because they're really that's what's yeah. most important yeah, yeah. And it is, you know, I, I the, the biggest, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute because I'd love to go talk about the greatest dilemma that I came about mm, in yes, terms please. of of my own personal response to it and I think that belongs to a lot of people. She was really interesting to me because I thought, this, why can't you let it go? You know, back she goes and she's... Um, there's something about the behaviour that you do feel at odds with. You want to go, oh, just stop this now, stop it, leave it, go. The, the, there's sort of where she was after some sort of vengeance. Mm-hmm. But not all of us are very articulate necessarily at various times when we feel we've been wronged. 
Yeah. We, we do behave at odds with ourselves. We do behave um, because they're kind of, you don't know what to do. You just don't want to walk away and feel like something's been stolen from mm-hmm. you. Something has been ripped away from you and so you behave too tenaciously, too full-on, too sexual and all those things. And I think they're kind of terrific things to explore because we're, we're not just the good girl or the bad girl. We're not just the overtly sexual one who takes them all on and they want to wait, waiting to fall in love. You know, there is a huge yeah. range of what we're interested in how, and we learn how we can be. And sometimes the lessons are terrible mm. you know, that you kind of learn, oh, I wish I hadn't been with him rather than he should be punished that I've been. Mm. I've learned that I wish I hadn't done that. It's sort of don't take us into that territory, kind of walk away. But but the, there is so much to navigate that it is quite tricky, I think. I think that she, this particular character, the she's not her, but yeah. based on a mm, yeah. numerous compilation of women and stuff that interested me as well, or that she will contest us, that mm. there would be half an audience crossing her yeah. arms yeah. and going, yeah. well, what the hell, you know, leave them alone. Stop it. So it, it's sort of not just painting it kind of too clear yeah, that yeah. this is the, the good guys the, and the bad yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually something that I was wondering. Do you think it's important to represent these kinds of issues in that really realistic and complicated mm. way because these things are never black and white? But do you think that, like, often theatre has a tendency to shy away or marginalise or brush over these kinds of actually quite complex issues and make villains perhaps of some of these people rather than like you said having that position where well maybe some of the audience are going to react to her in this way and some of them are going to react to her in this way and actually that's really a good thing yeah i mean it's bad theater isn't it when you know whose side you're on and yeah. that you kind of confirms everything you believe and that's so right on that mm. you feel that nothing shifts for you and it just needs a, a soundtrack of uplifting music yeah <laughs> the end yeah. yeah so yeah i think it's but I actually still think that mostly this, the area of us, the, the female protagonist as the main protagonist or number of female protagonists is incredibly rare in the theatre. It's just not done. You know, ironically, the, most of the audience or the, the percentage mm. is much higher for women to see That's it. Right. But yeah. it doesn't mean we're not, we don't, haven't learned to appreciate that there's, there's stories to be had. I, I, I remember quite shamefully thinking, so only men who seem to go and do the big sort of things <laughs> in the world, you know, like, oh, look, I can make my woman, she can stuck at home. Yeah. You know, kind of, there's sort of a limitation of character. They're yeah. thinking, well, actually, there are women who, who reach out. And also, the domestic doesn't necessarily mean deadly, yes. as in bad deadly. Yeah. You know, it means doesn't mean that it's... T- terribly boring the domestic or that you're a failure because you're in the domestic space yeah Mm. and that sometimes the the prison like likeness to prison (laughs) for even the domestic you know the prison likeness is interesting terrain but not only yeah that's right yeah that that we get restricted to it like we used to get restricted to the tales of only famous women the women who Mm -hmm. did marvelous adventures and then you run out yeah yeah because it's, yeah, yeah, we're not running out. Oh, my God, we are so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We have oh, lists good. and lists and lists. Yeah, but, 
You also mentioned as well, like, for example, real cases, um, like the St Kilda girl that you mentioned as well. So in the play itself, there are sort of explicit retellings of sexual violence. Mm-hmm. And you did use the, some verbatim material. Is that is that right? I've got a really odd relationship to verbatim. I kind of, I don't write verbatim, mm. and I, but I always have researched and I think it's actually imperative to research. And you know, some people's expressions of stuff is so profoundly wonderful mm, that, that you, you couldn't come yeah, up with it. Yeah, couldn't yeah. not use it. <laughs> but often I would use it right out of context or I'd put it in somebody else's mouth or I'd, I would no problem with looting, not, <laughs> none at all. I, I do have a problem with verbatim, straight verbatim. Yeah. I sort of do feel that's a kind of different looting in a way. Though other people use it and, and use it in a very honourable way and inform people. But I, I kind of like the way that you can kind of pick and something evolves and a compilation of stuff makes something sometimes more interesting and more contradictory, Mm, that there's um, pressure in it. But the awful thing about the litany of abuses that you can see in research or you hear on radio or or orally, you know, tales of misery, is that they've got an awful likeness. Mm. And so... It, in a way, that material, uh, we've just worked on a small monologue and where there was quite explicit and dis- very descriptive and we've honed it back and taken it back because there's something almost obscene mm. in the retelling. It becomes mm. really a delicate thing where you go, oh, why, why do we kind of have this too fine, detailed uh, sense of something that we already know to it, it already is hurting our psyche it yeah. kind of goes and so is there not a way we can kind of just without selling out on what actually happens but that you, we know what happens that we don't need the blow mm. blow blow yeah. description we actually need to see that what happens in her brain mm. rather than in her to her body yeah. Yeah. that 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 we know so there's some there's a kind of fine balancing act that you have to do that's why you know you get getting better and better at the craft it, it, it is something my age it's been fantastic to be able to keep working in the independent sector and being able to kind of experiment in a way that I wasn't confined by yeah. anybody um, with like-minded uh, artists with people who want to go further, want to go hard, and kind of have this lovely learning of how to make something have the greatest clout and hold hold back, you know, not no crying. Yeah. <laughs> so is that, okay. is that no the crying. kind of attitude I, that that led to you? Because you founded, well, co-founded the Melbourne Workers Theatre yep. in 1987. Is that yep. right? Yes. Is that the kind of reason why that sort of independent theatre gives you that space to tell the stories you want to tell in the way that you want to tell them and perhaps address those broader social issues from from gender and class and, you know, all those kinds of things. Was that part of the ethos? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it sort of evolved. I think mostly we we kind of knew what we were doing and not. We learnt about diversity. I think in the first production, Steve Payne was the co-founder and he's playing a Greek man. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. For God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> a really bad accent. And, you, you, you know, that was those days when you, you were allowed to kind of pilfer yeah. and, and, and ignore the fact that there were Greek-speaking actors, of course, and mm. uh, all, all the things that seem so obvious now. But it was a, such a wonderful uh, training ground for so many artists and... and just an apprenticeship for a lot of playwrights because you had the, the companies working on a really low budget stuff and you, you were commissioned and then you were taken through to the end. You weren't commissioned and you'd get development and another development mm, and yeah. dramaturg and development. Yeah. Most women, another development. Oh, you need <laughs> yeah. another one, you're a woman. Need, you know, how many yeah. fucking developments and never a production. Yeah. And so what do you learn? You're not kind of always stuck in this limbo and never having anything... You, you're never put at risk, so mm-hmm. you never have your heart beat beating to the most unbelievable rate mm. because you, you actually do know that some of it's crap yep. and that some of it's not going to end. You're doing it to audiences of workers who don't have to be polite and are not. <laughs> yeah. So you have to kind of learn to win all sorts of people and... Uh, it was really fabulous. Mm. And it was so daring because you're talking politics all the yeah. time, yeah. the art, and it's sort of like, you know, taboo for lots of people, you know, art and politics, you have know, so, you know, blend, what a load of crap. And so you, that was, was so exciting to be able to, how do you do it without being didactic? How do yeah. you do it without slapping someone over the face with the idea mm. and going, oh, get out of my face? You know? <laughs> See, it was really, really fabulous mm. company for a lot of us, really. Yeah. yeah. And as you say, I mean, there's that difference, isn't there, between being sort of beholden to like an arts body that you're receiving funding from and sort of responding to those sorts of criteria, I suppose, and then doing um, what you can do as well without kind of, yeah, being beholden to any sort of body to respond back to. Yeah. I didn't ever found them so restricting as companies, Yes, you right. See, so mm-hmm. in a way, once you've got the money with the lies, or the, the, yeah. <laughs> you lie here and there, you've got quite decent lies. Yeah. You know, oh, my God, if that's what nicely you want. Nicely worded. Yeah, nicely yeah. worded. But, and then you actually, as long as you're going to make that work, and um, they're, they're pretty hands-off mm. in a mm. way. So you, you, it, it's where you're kind of bound to somebody else's ideas constantly. So there's no sort of notion that you dare to be the one who want, has the idea. You know, the, mm-hmm. you, and that's not kind of encouraged. We've got the idea. You don't, yeah, you're, yeah. You're doing, okay, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it, I have to say, in this case, with with Geordie, I felt blessed by the idea. But sometimes you sort of, I sort of think, oh my god, why? And I get flattered because somebody's asked me mm-hmm. finally. I go, but they asked me, and then I go, I don't want to. Like, <laughs> but not often that I ask that often. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. That's wonderful. Um, I'm also wondering then as well, talking about sort of touching on arts funding, what you sort of think the responsibility of arts funding bodies might be. I mean, you've famously heckled our arts mis- oh, minister, yeah. <laughs> Mitch Byfield, <laughs> last year. Was that only last year? Oh, it was last year, wasn't it? Oh, or maybe it was it 2000, might have been a year before. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't that long ago. No. And, I mean, so... So what do you think the sort of the, the responsibility of, um, and we've had so many cutbacks in the arts funding sector yeah. in Australia recently, what do you think the responsibility is of these funding bodies? Oh, I mean, I think the Australia Council was in a really difficult place. So it was like Brandis made that decision and took it away from them and they were reeling. As much as I'm really being, you know, people are critical of the Australia Council and more local funding, 
Oh, without it, we're stuffed. Mm. You know, so you, but it, it just, it's about the independent sector and the, the, the level of funding in for the independent sector is too small. Yeah. And so whatever that I, I would sing the praises for the Australian Council any day, but... You, that should be doubled. And the mainstream theatres, that get your funding through other government levels um, because they just there's a denial that that middle range and feeding new artists mm. is not kind of feeding your cultural tapestry for mm. your country. It is. Yeah. And it is, nobody really believes it anymore or I think they don't give a shit yeah. about it. So it really was that middle level import. that missed out last totally. time. Mm. And it's the independent sector. Mm. And who, who's going to have the more radical ideas mm. is the independent yeah. sector. Who's going to be writing about their own country? The independent sector. So it's a really weird censorship that you go, oh, my God, you are silencing. Mm. You're, you're new, you're established, you're middle-range artists. You are really stultifying it all. And I think it's really frightening that I can see how the, if without government giving more money to the the art sector it's so so poor in this country it's kind of mind-blowing yeah. <laughs> that those those organizations are in strife and I am a bit sympathetic to them I don't think they they're aligned to them I think they suffer mm, yeah, yeah. You know, they go oh my god we can't fund all these play, play plays or works of excellence and then that's their condition because that just isn't money mm. I want to um that as well just us. Sorry? That just killed us, that brand is thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's still killing us. I still, I think we'll be reeling for a decade. A long time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's so the we'll same with back. the writing side of work. Yeah, yeah. writers. It's, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> just talking again about sort of heckling the art minister, <laughs> I just wonder how did people respond to that being, um, like were people confronted that as a woman you were speaking up? And not just as a woman, but, you know, dare I say as well, as an older woman too, like yeah. speaking up. How did, did some people find that confronting? How did you sort of find, was there much of a response to that? Do you I feel? think there was a lot of really good response to it because people were really angry about it. And also because we were kind of invited to this dinner and that was nice. You sort of think, oh, he's got Carilla is getting all the, the playwrights across the country mm. and we're all, and it didn't seem to have any... Um, tags on it, you know, mm. it was a sort of celebratory thing, and then you learn, we all learn really late. And I was in such a, and me and others were in denial because I know it's our local minister, it couldn't be the federal minister, <laughs> it's the federal minister. See, I had a kind of biblical response all right, how am I going to sit and break bread yeah. with somebody who's talking crap about his support for us when you have just absolutely bellied up? the whole industry. Mm. And so, but there's so great liberty in being older and because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, it is really liberating. I, and I wondered, when I was younger, I might have given a fuck more. I would have felt more uncertain mm -hmm. in terms of not having the works behind me. Yeah. And I would have felt more uncertain of just being younger and uncertain about whether I have anything I said was good enough and all that sort of stuff. There's a point where... You're almost given the mantle. Somehow I've been... I mean, there is so few women that are older than me who are writing plays. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's after Dorothy died, you kind of go... Because there are the women parents, but they don't, they stopped. They're, mm. they're not going to do this anymore and they go uh, write novels or whatever. But the playwriting is really 
bereft of kind of models and see in, in a way I became quite yeah. <laughs> like I'm the old bag who's sort of still doing it yeah and kind of and the awards mean a lot for mm. them. And, mm. they win, and what they mean to me is I can afford to live. Yeah. Uh, so most people think you're going to go and have a holiday somewhere and you know, they'll go, just pay my They're bills. Buy some groceries. Yeah, a year to live. Um, but they, yeah, so I think there's something about age and also because associated with the founding of Melbourne, workers, you know, oh, hey, 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 worker, right, kind of yeah. feel to it. That, that there's a kind of expectation in a way for me. So mm. I could believe me, I'm not unafraid when I did that. Mm. I was shitting myself. I felt, oh, my God, I, had, I knew I had to do something. I wanted to. I couldn't break bread with you. you talk like crap. And, but I didn't actually heck. I waited for him to finish. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference. And yeah. I was kind of like this, yeah. minister five, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Why am I calling? <laughs> I was like pretending to be so polite. Minister Fivefield. Minister Five, you know, it was like so really um very polite. Yeah, polite. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, you know, I was sort of thinking, oh my God. And then, will I have to walk out and not eat the food? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be taken out and <laughs> <the food>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, nobody will care. I'll have to go and get macked. But sort of talking about that sort of, I suppose, that mantle of, of female playwrights that, that you were talking about, I mean, there are obviously companies that are invested in, um, I guess, sort of bring, closing that disparity between male and female playwrights and the work that's produced. And our state company is obviously one of them as well. And I, um, I also think about last year they did a, a fabulous production of Switzerland, which is by another a female Australian writer, um, Joanna Murray-Smith. Mm, gorgeous um, production. Gorgeous play. Fabulous yeah, play. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. And it's about another deviant woman, Patricia yeah. Highsmith, another, yeah. another Patricia, Patricia Highsmith yeah. that we might talk about sometime um, on our podcast <laughs> in the future. But... Uh, so, you know, perhaps there, there still really is some momentum there. And I'm just wondering if you have any recommendations for any female playwrights, Australian or otherwise, that you that are doing work that we should be seeing now. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel is that too so, broad a question? No, it's not <laughs> a broad a question. I wish I could answer it with more kind of points to, mm. or give it more because I feel I think it's tough. I think mm-hmm. it's really tough. And th- who wants to hear that? Yeah, so the, I, I have great friends, female playwrights, and you know, Melissa Reeves, and, yep. mm-hmm. and it, she's a gorgeous playwright. The struggle that she has to get works that are awarded, that are absolutely cherished, the, to mm-hmm. have them put on, it, it's just ludicrous. Mm. You've collaborated but, with Melissa a couple of times, yeah, haven't you? Yeah. 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 But, but also, just talking about that, that process where this, the South Australian Theatre Company and with Geordie and Rob Brookman, who immediately responded to that inequity in terms of females, female playwrights in particular. Um, and what they did was put it in policy. Mm. So it doesn't even belong to them. So when yep. they go, some other arsehole gets in and away it goes. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, I thought, wow. And they did it seamlessly, mm-hmm. really quickly, without, it was almost like, oh, for God's sake. Well, of course. Have we already done yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you go, 
Wonderful, because it was an example of how seamless it could be. Yeah. Mm. What's your hold up, everybody else? I mean, Belvoir Street did it too, and it's in policy. And I think well, certainly Griffin have done it, and Malthouse have not, and nor MTC not. Mm. And, and so their, their programs are still so unbelievably unequal. Mm. You know, the next step, of course, is diversity. It's just yeah. the mm-hmm. kind of, it, 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 I wish it was more hand-in-hand yeah. with gender in a way. Class, forget it. That's yeah. not going to happen. But the the yeah, I think there is shifts. I I just think actually, just do. We've got this uh, la mama, and and we've got the forty five downstairs. But it, it, it's a struggle. You have to find friends before you can even get funding because you need to have some le- stuff on the boards. Some clout, but, yeah. And but. But just to be doing work to kind of keep it going and yeah. find people to do it with is just the the most important thing, really. But I can see how hard it is. Mm. It gets harder all the time mm. and things get diminished. I think that with the football staff, what I experience and I, I thought other people experience is then you hear, you hear this footballer, doesn't matter what club, and also I'm from Melbourne, so they call the clubs, you yeah, know, yeah. Like real tribal kind of connections to them that people have. And But you hear about this young man and he's doing really, really well at football and he's just terrific and he's come from a tough background and there he is, he's flying and he's just getting a house, getting mm. some money and then he's engaged in something that's a bit shaky or a lot shaky and with a woman and he's done something really shitty. And what I, what do you, I feel? And I kind of, most people with me, they go, oh, I don't want yeah. you to be in trouble. No? Yeah. Give him a break. Give <laughs> him a break. The hardship yeah. is overcome. Yeah. 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 He's just at the top of the world yeah. at the moment. Don't bring him down. Yeah. And you kind of have... You have to fight this sort of grief that mm-hmm. you feel for the boy. The boy's everything. The boy, he shouldn't be penalised. Mm-hmm. Let, let him make a mistake. It's just a mistake. And instead of, what about the girl? Yeah. That's not where our heart goes. Uh, 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 not where you, you, it should go. Like, you shit. You mm-hmm. had it all. You were soaring high. You were strutting. Mm-hmm. You were being cheered. You were being celebrated. And what do you do? You have to demean somebody. You have to bring mm-hmm. her down. But that's not the first response it's necessarily. Not the story. It's yeah. sort of how our world is so skewed mm-hmm. against us. Yeah. Do you think the Me Too movement is going to change? Because it's happening in the entertainment industry. Do you think it's going to have an impact? In the sports industry, yeah, the sporting well. sector is one of those sectors where it's yeah. so heavily ingrained. Yeah, <laughs> I think they'd be shitting themselves. Yeah, I think that everyone's shitting themselves in our industry and and yours and yeah. as well, like big time. Yeah, there's a kind of a great anxiety. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that the sort of stuff where you know, people talk about they're not going through the right kind of uh, means like the judicial, to, processes, judicial processes. processes. Yeah. and then I think, my God, my whole lifetime. It's been lawless. Yeah, there's been no justice for all of these women. Yeah, us strategizing Mm. if he's safe or Mm -hmm. I need to go circumnavigate that group of men. I have to do. I don't. I can't respond to that feeling that I've just been touched up. I kind of walking on, laugh it off, play Mm. it. All and it has an impact on us Mm. that we're kind of 
inundated with this crap. I kind of get you get liberated from it as, as a older woman, but even then you get uh, moments of it because I want to remind you yeah. <laughs> that you're still kind of female. Yeah. You know that sort of undermining thing. But I kind of think we've been subject to lawlessness. Yeah. And you now want us to yep. go by the law yeah. that has absolutely betrayed all those women in the football sort of sagas and and more. You know, for us to get a rape acknowledged is just like, oh, my God, too, so tough. So, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why, yeah. why should we need to respect those yeah. systems? Yeah. That well, like, yeah. like you Stand said, women us, constantly yeah. have to negotiate what they're thinking, what they're saying. How, how am I going to speak in this conversation? Like, what words do I choose in this conversation to not give him the wrong idea, but yeah. to also remain safe? Yeah. To also, you know, and so not, why and not to take away his power enough to, to kind of jeopardise you in the yeah. work that you're doing in some way, so yeah. you have to kind of flatter him, yeah. right, the yeah. idiot. So maybe, the idiot. Maybe you should start to think about the words that come out of your mouth. Yeah, as well. yeah. Change. Yeah. Just start you sexualizing us all the time. Yeah. 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 That's it. Oh, so I guess my last question, <laughs> just the last one quickly, is just really kind of we could talk about that for a long time. Wait, yeah. <laughs> is what do you think some of the biggest changes that you've seen? in um, the Australian theatre industry over your career have been in terms of the opportunities for women <laughs> as writers or performers or securing funding or having their plays produced? Has it changed as much as you think you would have liked to when you are a younger woman or does it feel like it really is the ball is rolling or is it still very frustrating? <laughs> I think it's still very frustrating. And I think that the fact that the 80s showed this light for yeah. a little while for us, yeah. like there was a light... And there was a shift and we all felt like things were coming and then we could just drop out of fashion almost. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, we've done new, we've done Indigenous theatre, we've done women's theatre and uh, now let's get back to the real stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's just rolling on. There needs to be a greater, more radical change somehow and really systemic mm-hmm. shift in on all levels, not just theatre or you know, across the board. You know, I think that the Me Too stuff. Imagine pit women on the uh, on the factory floor, yeah, you know, just enduring crap yeah. all the time, yeah. you know, wherever. Yeah. So, no, I wish I could be nicer. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's kind yeah. of yeah. how I feel. Two people I had, I had <laughs> a question about. I was like, do you think that things have gotten more conservative? It's like I feel like they have gotten more conservative. I mean, I wasn't around in the eighties, but it feels I feel like that, I feel that's when it too. was really yeah. felt like there was maybe some hope. I thought there's something nasty in the mm. response to things. You know, the, there was a letter signed at Vital Statistics the other night mm. by a whole lot of women about the, the situation and, and then there's they, one of the actors is reading out the response on Twitter and you sort of go, oh, wow, yeah. what, what, why do you care? Like, <laughs> what the hell? It's, but it's nasty, mm. really nasty. Oh. Well, maybe, maybe... Yeah. As a positive note, <laughs> yeah, to, to, to end on, to bring it to a positive <laughs> note, to end on. I oh, look. I think that maybe um, listeners today may be motivated, <laughs> yeah. perhaps, Hopefully. to sit down and write their own plays about things. Yeah, like that. do. I yep. think taking uh, taking a leaf out of Patricia's <laughs> competitions. The, I think the one of the recent young playwrights competition. It was an entirely male. Selection, was selection, it? and shortlist, right. which uh, 
won't name it. But. Well, okay. Look. <laughs> so today's, I think today's message is again, as as always, we've got to shake shit up. Yeah. I think that's that's the message. That's the positive. Absolutely. That's yeah. a positive spin. <laughs> I am going to put on it. Yeah. So, um, so thank you so yeah. much, Patricia. So pleasure. Thank you. It's lovely to talk to yeah. you and meet you. We so. could keep talking for hours yeah. about all of this sort of stuff, but I'm going um, back to rehearsal. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to go back. <laughs> so, um, if you're in Adelaide, or if you'd like to come to Adelaide sometime soon, then you can come and see in the club. It'll be playing at the Odeon Theatre in Norwood from Friday the 23rd of February until Sunday the 18th of March. Um, and you can find more information through uh, the Adelaide Festival of Arts or at the State Theatre Company um, website, which is statetheatrecompany.com.au. Thank you once again. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks to you too. too. <laughs> and thank you everyone for joining us for this special summer exclusive episode of Deviant Women. We so enjoyed talking to Patricia. She was amazing. Such, such a great woman. And we can't wait to actually go and see in yeah, the club as we'll well. Yeah, we'll be there. Hang in for that. Uh, speaking of stage shows. We do also, we here we could probably put a little plug it for seems, another stage show. It seems show, like a log- logical yeah, segue. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we do have our own fringe show for anyone who is in Adelaide or will be coming to Adelaide for festival season. It's a very exciting time for all of us here in Adelaide. It's a brilliant festival. And we have two shows you've probably seen already on social media. We've kind of been plugging that a lot. Uh, too much but it's there we should present. that it's present it's present all right we are of course presenting julie daubeny and madame blavatsky why am i whispering it in the background <laughs> i don't know or dramatic effect. julie daubeny is on the 26th of Mar- february i should say so yes. you know what you could come to adelaide and you could go see in the club and, and then, then you could go, go see, see julie, julie daubeny. daubeny how is that re- i would recommend i would do that what a double header and if be. you happen to be staying for another two weeks then why not come along on march the 14th, 14th for Madame Blavatsky. And in the meantime, of course, you can keep up to date with all things Deviant at Deviant Women on Twitter. And on our Facebook group. You can also look us up at www.deviantwomenpodcast.com. Does anybody put the WWs in anymore? Oh, look, just in case it was not clear. (laughs) Of course, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher Stitcher and the other various things that you find us on. Yeah. If you really love the podcast and you want to support us, you can go to our Etsy store and buy some merch. We've got T-shirts, we've got pins, we've got stickers. Or, of course, you can join up on Patreon and become one of our favourite people. One of our very favourite people. (laughs) So true. And so we will be back to officially launch Deviant Women Season 2 on March the 22nd. So pop that in your diary and we will see you then. Catch you then.